Hi, I'm Sherry Todd, a former DJ, now podcaster. Every week, I hope to take you on an adventure that informs, inspires, and starts conversations. I want to get honest, and I want to get to the heart of life and love. There's going to be good days, bad days, good shows, bad shows. And just like life, we have to figure it out. And I want to figure it out loud. Welcome to Sherry. Hi, I'm Sherry. Thank you for tuning in to the final part of my eight-part series, Healing from Child Sexual Abuse. Now, you may know, or you may not know, but I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist. I am a survivor of child sexual abuse, sharing my journey in hopes of healing. The issues I may talk about are from research and personal experience and may be a trigger for some people, so please take that into account as you listen. So, on this final episode... When we talk about the stages of the healing process, the question is eventually raised, what about forgiveness? Many survivors have tried desperately to forgive their abusers. They fear that they can't heal without it. But it is not necessary to forgive the abuser in order to heal from child sexual abuse. The only person you need to forgive is yourself. Forgiving your abuser or the members of your family who didn't protect you, is not a required part of the healing process. It is not the path to healing or the final reward. Although it is necessary eventually to come to some resolution to make peace with your past and move on, whether this resolution accompanies forgiveness is a personal matter. For many survivors, forgiveness is out of the question. Other survivors experience forgiveness as something that arises naturally after a long committed process of healing. But forgiving a horrible crime such as child sexual abuse is not the same as, say, forgiving a friend. When a friend inadvertently hurts our feelings and apologizes, we forgive her. We no longer blame her. The relationship is mended, we are reconciled, and we continue with trust and respect without the residual anger between us. But this kind of forgiveness, giving up anger and pardoning the abuser, restoring a relationship of trust, is not a requirement in healing from sexual abuse. While it's true that many abusers were abused as children, and that sexual abuse is often repeated in families, generation after generation, these facts alone are not enough to excuse the horrible things adults do to children. Although many women and men have been abused, the vast majority of them have not become abusers. Regardless of childhood pain, there is no justification for abusing children. As this survivor so clearly and simply states, Bastard, he took my soul and I don't give a shit that it might have happened to him. It happened to me and I didn't do it to my kids. That excuse is bullshit. It is never helpful to tell a survivor of child sexual abuse that she needs to forgive the person who abused her. This advice minimizes and denies the validity of her feelings. Yet, the issue of forgiveness is one that is pressed on survivors again and again. People may urge you to forgive for a variety of reasons. They may believe that you'll feel better if you forgive. They may assume that forgiveness will speed your healing process and free you to live in the present. They may be uncomfortable with the intense feelings of anger and grief or may not want to face the harsh realities of child sexual abuse. The religion may teach you that forgiveness is essential. Yet even if people around you believe that they have your best interest at heart, you should not let anyone talk you into trading your honest feelings for the higher good of forgiveness. 
In fact, trying to force forgiveness can be dangerous. There have been many instances survivors have been urged to forgive before they had a chance to grieve or express their anger. And trying to comply, they have turned their anger inward, becoming seriously depressed or even suicidal. When you begin to heal, it's important to focus on what happened to you and what it's meant in your life. Trying to forgive can get in the way of doing this important, necessary work. If you have strong religious beliefs, you may feel that it's your duty to forgive, but you are not more moral or spiritually evolved if you do forgive. If there is such a thing as divine forgiveness, it's God's job, not yours. If compassion and forgiveness arises naturally, they can be a powerful part of your healing, but not if you're forced to rush because you think you should feel them. As you move through the healing process, you may feel compassion for those who hurt you or fail to protect you. Some women feel both compassion and forgiveness. Others experience compassion but don't forgive their abusers. And most of those who say they have forgiven do not believe in a pardon for the abuser. Part of the healing is being true to your own feelings and experience. Sometimes forgiveness for the abuser grows out of the compassion you now hold towards yourself. Other times it comes because you have begun to view someone in a different way. Forgiveness sometimes arises when you least expect it. One woman, who was abused by all four members of her family, swore she would never forgive them. She had written them off and gone on with her own life. Months later, she had an impulse to go to Temple of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a Jewish day of atonement where Jews let go of the wrongs that they have done to others and the wrongs others have done to them. Without trying to or expecting to, this woman suddenly started sobbing and, much to her surprise, found herself not only deeply forgiving herself, but forgiving her family as well. Many survivors say that forgiveness releases the abuser's hold on them and opens new doors of healing. If you do ultimately come to a place of forgiveness, you don't have to take any particular actions as a result. Forgiveness is a private experience, not a public event. Whether you choose to tell someone that you have forgiven him or her, it's up to you. Feelings of forgiveness can be communicated, but they can also be held quietly inside. There are many ways to find resolutions around child sexual abuse. Every survivor needs to chart her own way. Although for some survivors, that course includes forgiveness. For others, it does not. You have the right to your honest feelings and convictions. No one else has lived through your abuse. No one else is in a position to tell you how to feel or think about it. Ultimately, the only person you must forgive is yourself. If you're still blaming yourself or feeling ashamed of things you've done to cope, it's time to forgive yourself, to stop blaming the child who was vulnerable, the child who felt pleasure, the child who survived the best she could. It's time to forgive yourself for anything you're still feeling guilty about, anything you're still holding yourself responsible for. It wasn't your fault that you couldn't protect yourself. It wasn't your fault that you needed attention and an affection. It wasn't your fault that you were pretty, precocious, smart, or any other quality the abuser might have used as an excuse. You must also forgive yourself for the limitations you've lived with as an adult or for repeating your victimization. You must forgive yourself for needing the time to heal. 
and you must give yourself all the kindness and compassion you can so you can direct your attention and energy toward your own healing. This forgiveness is what's essential. And what about a spiritual connection? Can it help with healing? More after this. A spiritual connection can provide strength and hope during hard times. It can remind you of all that is good and beautiful in a world that also contains much violence and suffering. Spirituality offers a way to hold your experience and the process of healing in a larger perspective. Everyone's spirituality is unique and personal. You may be a member of a traditional religion and belong to a church, temple, or mosque. You may have a personal belief in God or a higher power. You may be on a 12-step journey. You may practice a discipline, a prayer, or meditation. Maybe you feel at peace in nature, watching the ocean roll in, or looking out over a vast prairie, or walking in the desert. When you are truly intimate with another human being, when you're uplifted through singing, and when you look at a child and feel wonder, you are in touch with something larger than yourself. This is a life force that makes things grow, that makes thunderstorms and mountain ranges and perfect avocados. The fact that a baby is born, learns to roll over, then sit up and then crawl, is a miracle of life. Spirituality is staying in touch with the part of you that is choosing to heal, that wants to be healthy, integrated, fully alive. The person you want to become is already within you. You just can't always see her. If you stay focused on how far you have to go, rather than turning around to see how far you've already come, you stay caught in the storm and forget that the sun is just overhead. You lose your sense of perspective. Getting in touch with the stillness inside is a way to gain it back, a way to remember that you are more than just an abused child crying out in pain. It's not that you transcend your abuse or get rid of the bad parts of yourself, Rather, you enlarge yourself to include everything. You start to see greater than the struggle. As therapist and author Alice Miller expresses so well, the human spirit is virtually indestructible, and its ability to rise from the ashes remains as long as the body draws breath. One way we lose perspective is by focusing exclusively on our own problems, our process, and our pain. While some preoccupation of sexual abuse is certain to happen, and in fact helpful, beyond a certain point, it becomes self-defeating. Obsession can be a defense against feeling the pain, shame, and fear you're still burdened with. It comes from a lack of conviction that you've already set the healing process in motion through your own hard work, and determination. You think you have a right to be diligent at every moment, but that doesn't work. If you have an injury and you press on the wound, insisting that it heal now, it won't heal. But if you take care of it and then direct your attention somewhere else, healing naturally takes place. Breakthroughs often happen that way. You work and you work, then suddenly, when you stop trying, you grow. But letting go takes faith. You have to trust your capacity to heal yourself. Each time you do, you move forward just a little further. 
you gain confidence that you're going to be all right. If you have an established religious past, faith will probably play a strong part in your healing. Even without a belief in God, you can develop a sustaining spiritual connection. Whether you have a traditional concept of God, believe there is life spirit cruising through all of us, or simply trust your own intuition, having faith in something more powerful and consistent than your shifting emotions can be a great comfort as you heal. Spirituality, however, is not a shortcut through any of the stages of the healing process. It is not an alternative to feeling your anger, working through the pain, and fully acknowledging the damage done. Some religious doctrines and spiritual practices encourage you to focus on God, forgive the abuser, and transcend your feelings. Although it can be tempting to try to rise above your emotions, this isn't a realistic path to healing from child sexual abuse. We need our feelings in order to heal no matter how much faith you have. It's not going to bring you deep healing unless you roll up your sleeves and do your share. Having a relationship with God doesn't mean that he or she does all the work. Religious faith and spirituality are not substitutes for healing. Rather, they are enrichments to healing, sources from which you can draw comfort, strength, patience, and inspiration. Everyone healing from sexual abuse has a tremendous need for love and support. Many women feel they're working at a deficit, trying to make up for love and security that they missed out as children. A spiritual connection is one way to connect with a deep source of love. With this love comes a feeling of belonging, a sense of safety, a deeper fear in your capacity to heal. And this love is not dependent on specific people. It's a relationship within yourself that no one can take away. When you're about to make a decision and a friend says, sleep on it, what that really means is to let the implications settle down past your conscious mind. It often works. You may go to sleep unresolved about what to do and wake up with a clear idea about the course of action to take. Finding a place of stillness, a calm inside, gives you a neutral place in which you can stay centered and watch the rest of the action. This enables you to see what's essential, to let other things fall away. There's comfort in that space, a place to lie down your burdens for a time, a place you can go for reassurance before diving into that fight once more, like an oasis. For some survivors, a spiritual perspective enables them to let go of that tight control they've maintained over every aspect of their lives. Though a source of strength and comfort for many, the words spirituality and religion don't have a positive association for many survivors. You may remember being forced to attend church or the hypocrisy of religion and an abuser who molested you. You might have lost faith in a God who didn't protect you. Survivors abused by a minister, priest, rabbi, or other religious leaders may struggle with confusion and alienation or may feel abandoned by God. For survivors hurt in this way, it can take a lifetime to find a way back to a spiritual connection that has a meaning for them. The work of healing is difficult and painful, but eventually you emerge into a place where you feel the beauty in life and the beauty in your own life. 
without denying any of the pain. And over time, the joy deepens. I like to think this is my last day on earth. If this was my last breath, what would be important to me? I think of the song Gracias a la Vida, which is about the simple things in life. That song says, thank you for the alphabet. Thank you for words. Thank you for being able to hear music. Thank you for being able to see. Taking time each day to notice the simple things I have to be grateful for has been one of the most healing things for me. Let today be enough. For peace of mind, I have to stop what my doing and be content with the simple things. I want to thank you all for taking this eight-part journey to heal with me. In the last eight weeks, a lot has happened, not just in the world, but within me. Even though I feel I've healed in many ways, while doing these episodes, I found I still have some things to work on. But overall, I feel I've grown and I have a better understanding of myself. I highly recommend the book, The Courage to Heal, by Ellen Bass and Laura Davis. This book for survivors of child sexual abuse is a must-have in healing. It's available through Amazon, and trust me, you won't regret buying it. Now, if you have any thoughts, questions, and uh, I'd also love to hear how this series helped you, my email address is podcast at Sherapy with SherryTodd.com. Podcast at Sherapy with SherryTodd.com. Don't forget to follow on Facebook or Instagram, and if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Sherapy, and always remember to embrace your voice. See you, bye. You can find Sherapy with Sherry Todd in your iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, or other favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you.